0: This is the Austin Life Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Historical figure? I don't know. I think he was just a person. I don't know. Just a normal person, like us. He was a selfless person. I have no clue. He was a man. I think he was a marketing genius because he got people to believe him. I don't. I don't think he's the son of God. I don't. Don't believe that at all. If David Copperfield was in the day of Jesus, he would be Jesus. I'm pretty sure he existed. Like I'm not gonna say that he didn't exist. He was God's son, but so was Gandhi, and so was Muhammad, and so was you know. We're all God's children. Jesus is someone I pray to. Well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Um, and he, to me, is the like symbol of just ultimate forgiveness and ultimate love. He's sort of that like constant figure in my life. Jesus is also Isa in Arabic, and he was a messenger as well. He was just extremely enlightened, like religiously and morally. was somebody that um, just tried to um, impart wisdom on others and um, make the world a better place. I think he saw something that a lot of people didn't see and still don't see in others, and I, I think that's just a lot of love and and hope. Jesus sort of seemed like an ominous uh, figure. You know, he just he he was God, and it was hard to relate to him. But I think as I've grown in my faith a lot, I've really started to see Jesus as my closest friend. So if Jesus were to ask you today, personally, who do you say that I am? How would you answer that? Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter eight. We're gonna be continuing in the series we've been in for a while now, going through the book of Mark. We're actually at a midway point today, so we're gonna take a pause after this Sunday and be in a new series for the next five weeks. But we're going to pick up where we left off last week in Mark chapter 8. My name is Mike Mobley. I'm one of the pastors here, so welcome and good morning. Happy that you're here with us. If you're tuning in online as well, thank you for being here and listening to our podcast as well. So we're going to be in Mark 8, covering uh, verses 27 through 30. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, and you want to grab one, we have them uh, at our Connect desk around the corner. If you have a friend or know someone who could use a Bible, grab one, two, three, four. Uh, It's just our gift to you, and we'd love to get a copy of the scriptures in everyone's hands. So Mark chapter 8, we're going to pick up in verse uh, 27. So the word of God says, and Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say I am. And they told him John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others say one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say I am? And Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Let's pray. God, we're we're so thankful that the sun has risen yet again, that we have life again, that you're putting breath in our lungs, that we can gather as the church, that we have the freedoms that we have, what you've allotted our time periods and dwelling places to be. There's no coincidence we're here this morning, 2021, right here, October 10th. And I pray that you would increase our desire for you uh, this morning. You would speak through me and use me in your word however you see fit. You would prepare and speak to our minds and our hearts for what your word has for us this morning. Thank you for the amazing grace uh, that you give us each and every day. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So today's passage, while it's just four verses, this is a big this is a big deal in Mark. We, everything we've been discussing about for a while now. And side note, uh, we've covered what, what is it eight and a half chapters of Mark to date, verse by verse. So if you want to go on our website or our podcast, you can catch up and listen to those. But out of, out of everything we've seen, we've had a lot of stories of people coming to Jesus to get help. The disciples at times. Growing in their faith, and at other times, not not quite so getting it, uh, which is encouraging to me because we don't always quite get what the Lord is doing in our lives. Jesus healing many people along the way, and including even the blind man that Stephen shared with us last week. So we come to this point, and on the way, Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? So Caesarea Philippi, where they are in this passage, it was about 25 25 miles north, give or take, of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, And the main point of that is, it'd been the center of worship for Baal, and then of a Greek god, Pan, and then of Caesar. So we don't know exactly where they were here when Jesus asked this question, but it's possible in an environment of worship of other gods, it was a fitting time for this question. But also, Jesus is clearly always intentional. He never makes a mistake. He knows where this conversation's going. Uh, Unlike, we don't always quite know what God is doing in our lives, so he's making a point here why he asked that question. So what did they say? What was their response? They gave him a few different answers. Some say John the Baptist, or JTB, according to Corey. Others say Elijah, and others, just one of the prophets. It's just one of the prophets out there. And as we saw in the video, we as a people, we're all over the map on who Jesus is. If you just go around and even ask your friends, like, hey, who do you say Jesus is? They might even be weirded out by the question. But you'd be amazed at what kind of answers and responses you'd get. James Edwards, he's a popular scholar, he says, the categories of John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the prophets are no closer to the real Jesus than are the various Jesus figures of historical criticism or Enlightenment rationalism or feminism or Aryan and racist theories or the Jesus seminar or the various sociological models in our day. That was a mouthful that was a lot thank you james edwards meaning that all these various definitions all he's saying is they're on the same playing field they're kind of all in the same bucket when you compare them to the real answer some of them sound good and nice i'm sure we've all heard that jesus was a good and moral teacher like it sounds nice but they still misrepresent him it's still an incorrect answer sometimes we actually applaud jesus and we talk him up but we're simultaneously denying him at the same time. The beginning of Mark, we have a list here you'll see on the screen, the beginning of Mark has multiple declarations in the Bible of who Jesus is. So we have Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We have God the Father saying, you were my beloved son, I take delight in you. You have multiple examples of demons saying, you're the Holy One of God, you're the Son of God, and you're Jesus, son of the most high God. And even at the end of Mark 15, we'll see later, there's a Roman centurion that will say, this man really was God's son. So after Jesus kind of hearing this initial answer from his disciples, he starts to turn the corner, looks at them directly, and it's like, okay, that's good. But who do you say that I am? Jesus isn't really interested in what the culture is saying, but he's a matter of cutting straight through the heart of us individually. He more cares of how we would answer that question. And it's a powerful moment, because if you remember from us going through Mark, out of all the times the disciples seem to kind of not be getting it, right? They keep getting defeated by bread, which we talked about last week. This is kind of a light bulb moment for them. And it's a declaration. Peter says, you are the Christ, meaning the anointed one, the chosen one, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He declares it confidently, you are the Christ. He wasn't saying it like Jesus asking him a question. He wasn't answering it like in the form of a question. It wasn't like, you are the Christ? Like, I'm Ron Burgundy? Like, it wasn't like that. He wasn't saying it like it's his last name, like someone telling me, man, you are the Mobley. He's not saying that. Christ is not the last name. He's declaring it as a title, and he's speaking very confidently on behalf of the disciples. Peter and the rest of the followers there, the disciples, they reject the opinions of the crowds and the culture of who they declare Jesus is, and so should we. Reason being, there's going to be many different ones that pop up every year. Too many actually to count. You've heard some of these, I I guarantee it. You've heard some of them that kind of say, okay, well, Jesus is just a good teacher, right? Jesus was just a man, right? Jesus was not even a real person, just kind of a made-up situation. Jesus is my homie. That's a popular meme or NFT out there. Prison Jesus, kind of like prison Mike, okay? That one's not real. Actually, it might be real. Someone has probably actually coined that phrase by now. The point is, there's many, many, many different opinions of who Jesus is. So, you know, this is kind of a quick turn, you know those carnival games that you go to that, uh, one, they're always a rip-off, right? You go there to try to win like a little stuffy, like the size of your hand, Then you just go to Dollar Tree and spend a dollar on, but you spend $40 on tickets. It's okay, so the, the game where you have the ping pong ball and a bunch of the glass bottles lined up, I don't know what the name of that game is. If someone knows the name of that game, feel free to yell it out. The point is they've seemed to create the lightest an airiest ping pong ball that's ever been created in the existence. So you grab it, you throw it at like 100 glass bottles. And the point is, if it makes it in, you get your little stuffy or whatever the prize is. So, but what happens if you've played that game before? It's kind of like, okay, here we go, I got it. Grab the ball, throw it, and then what happens? It's like, ding, 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 like it just bounces all over the place. You grab another one, do it again, You quickly realize this is a ripoff like every other carnival game, you're not gonna win. And so that ball bouncing around is just like the different definitions of Jesus bouncing around in our culture. They're all over the place. Some of them are wild. Some of them are pretty humorous actually. But what are we supposed to do with that? Like what do we do with either our own minds kind of what we're hearing or the conversations that we're having with people, family, friends, or coworkers? What do we do when every year there's new trends and new definitions of who Jesus is? We've talked about this before. The United States Treasury, I know it's a big stretch. I'm going from carnival game to treasury, but I'm making a point. So the treasury has a similar problem with a bunch of counterfeit bills that come up. Every year more people are still trying to print money I don't know why it's not going to work, but they do. And so how do they handle when there's new counterfeit, like fake versions that pop up every single year? They don't go chase down the hundreds or thousands of different versions. They meticulously study the real thing. They keep their eyes fixed on the real thing, and they know it so well that when a fake thing pops up, they can spot it. That's what they do, they focus on the real thing, the real dollar. The only way we're gonna spot a counterfeit Jesus is by studying the Bible and knowing who Jesus really is. We've gotta look to the Bible for the definition. That's the only way we're gonna spot a counterfeit Jesus and know who he really is. Because everything the disciples personally witnessed up to this point, and we saw through eight chapters, they had a lot of questions and doubts. That's okay, by the way. It's perfectly normal for us to have questions and doubts. Sometimes we feel like we can't do that. Maybe we're not a believer if we have a doubt. It's perfectly normal for us every day to have questions and doubts. It's not about having that. It's what do we do with those that matters. But through their questions and doubts, after all of this and up to this point, Peter leads the way and declares, you are the Christ. And you gotta remember here, it's not just Peter who's making this declaration, but Jesus himself, actually in the Gospels, made multiple declarations of who he was. He refers to himself as a son of man, I am, the bread of life, the gate for the sheep, the bridegroom, the good shepherd, the light of the world, your Lord and teacher, the vine the Messiah. So here's the deal. Either Jesus, from those own declarations about himself, either Jesus is Lord, or he's a liar. He's either the Christ, or he's a crazy person. Right, he's either the point of everything, or pointless. There's no middle ground. You can't make a middle ground here. I would actually argue he's not a good immoral teacher. Look at the list. He said son of man, I am the bread of life, the gate for the sheep, the bridegroom, the good shepherd, the light of the world, your lord and teacher, the vine, the messiah. He is either lord or a liar. It was decision day for the disciples, and it's decision day for us. We're all leaving here today, answering the question, who do you say I am? Jesus brought physical sight to the blind man last week, and now he brings spiritual sight to his disciples this week. So today, if you say he's a liar, I understand. I actually thought that too in the past and I didn't know. And I really didn't want to dive deep anyway. I was just kind of busy living my life and working hard and playing hard. I totally get that. I also found out through my 40 different jobs and all these different pursuits that things are empty and kind of pointless. And you're not gonna find satisfaction outside of him. But I understand, I get it. There's two really good resources I want to tell you about if you say that's who he is today. One is called the Case for Christ. It's by Lee Strobel, the reason I like it. He's much smarter than I am. And as a smart lawyer, his goal was to prove Jesus being a liar with evidence. And I love that he wanted to do it with evidence, real facts. And the more evidence he found, it actually proved for Jesus to be Lord and he ended up declaring him as Lord and became a believer. But his, that book kind of tells you where he went down, what kind of evidences he looked for. Another one is called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. Those are two really good resources that go into real evidence proving Jesus to be true. Because you got to remember, he's either Lord or a liar. The fact that it's one way or the other should motivate you to find out the truth. You got a 50-50 shot. It's worth your time to go down that path. And if you say today he's Lord, and I would personally say that as well, we, we better act like it. If he's Lord, he is in charge of our lives. And we want the chosen one, the Messiah, We want him to be in charge. It's better for us. And I know there are times we don't always think that way. That's okay. But it's better for him to be in charge. Listen to this example of the heart of Jesus from the book Gentle and Lowly that we're going through. It says, Christ's heart is a steady reality flowing through time. It isn't as if his heart throbbed for his people when he was on earth, but as dissipated now that he's in heaven. It's not that his heart was flowing forth in a burst of mercy that took him all the way to the cross, but is now cooled down, settling back once more into kindly indifference. His heart is as drawn to his people now as it ever was in his incarnate state. And the present manifestation of his heart for his people is constant interceding, On their behalf. With Christ, our sins and weaknesses are the very resume items that qualify us to approach him. Nothing at all but coming to him is required first at conversion and a thousand times thereafter until we're with him upon death. If you say he's a liar. I challenge you to seek the real evidence out there. It's worth your time. And if you say he's Lord, remind yourself that. Let's help each other remind ourselves that each and every day as we make our decisions. Because we gotta remember, nothing but coming to him is required. Jesus sacrificed himself for us and rose from the grave, defeating death and sin, that's a fact. And all we do is put our faith and trust in him and answer his question, Who do you say I am? And as the church, we personally, publicly, and proudly declare our allegiance to Jesus, proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the chosen one. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the ultimate redeemer. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the one and only the savior of the world. Who do you say that he is? Let's pray. God, we're thankful that in a few verses in your word, it can have such power within it. We're thankful that your disciples and the people who have gone before us have had moments of the accurate declaration that you are the Christ. I pray for each and every one in this room, everyone watching, everyone listening, to not only know that we honestly have to make a decision. We can't hear these words and walk out in the middle. God, I pray that you would reveal more and more of yourself to everybody. You would even show with the evidence that's out there, you are Lord, you are the Christ. And while we know we're covered with grace, we're forgiven for our past, present, and future sins. I pray you would increase a reverence in us for you. Yeah, the image of us even being on our knees in front of you, it'd be something we actually do. I pray for all of our hearts and our minds you would increase our desire for you. God, and if we believe that you're a liar, just meet us right where we're at you gently show us it's not true but that people would feel comfortable to talk about it to ask the, the real big questions of life God for those today who might be declaring that you're Lord for the first time praise you for that I pray you would embolden our faith and our courage to know that you are the Christ and you're with us in and out of season, every week, through every trial, through what we're going through right now. There's no telling what everyone came in with this morning. God, may us, may your people experience the power of your Holy Spirit, affirming us now, comforting us, maybe convicting us, but all out of love knowing you're actively doing something in us right now. You are here. You are present. You help us through our weaknesses. And God, we can't do life on our own. And I pray the weight would come off shoulders right now. May we be a people who walk with our heads held up high, who walk yoked up to you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. and the Christ, the Chosen One, the Anointed One, the Messiah. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.